2: Throw a trumpet
3: in Zion Throw me on the mountain Throw a trumpet in Zion For the day of the Lord is come Throw a trumpet in Zion Alright everybody, this is Brother Frank with the Remnick Hall. Glad to have you here for another episode. Listen, tonight is going to be exciting. America, the Farewell Tour with Benjamin Brook. Now let me tell you, that actual title comes from a book out by Chris Hedges called America, the Farewell Tour. But Brother Benjamin has some insight into scripture and when you look at some of the things that are said in this book and the way they tie together, I'll tell you folks, we are living truly in the last days. And so we're going to jump into that tonight, but before we get going, I've got something really exciting. Uh, Brother Benjamin, a while back, had brought attention of a missionary group, um, to me and and the Johnson family. Uh, They sold everything, packed it all up, the whole family, and they went to Panama. And what they're doing down there, folks, they are preparing the way for other remnant believers that may feel called, and they're also strengthening the body. Well, I did a quick interview with them tonight uh, as we get started in this show. I got Brother Benjamin on hold right now, but I'm going to play just real quick, uh, just recorded it hot off the press with them from Panama and want to share just a little bit about what they are doing doing right now in Panama. So here we go. All right, everybody. I've got live from Panama right now the Johnson family, and I brought them into the show because we want to talk about what they're doing right now in Panama. So Johnson family, are you here with us?
0: Yes. yes.
3: Amen. Okay. Uh, could you introduce, who, who makes up the Johnson family?
0: Okay, there's me, Bruce Johnson, the oldest, the, well, the dad here. I'm the mom. I'm
2: Rhonda.
0: I'm Bron Johnson, the eldest son. I'm Zach Johnson, the next oldest son.
2: I'm Zoe Johnson, the oldest daughter.
0: I'm Seth Johnson. I am the youngest son.
2: I'm Cassia Johnson. And I'm the little girl. I'm Serene Johnson. And I'm the youngest girl.
3: Wow. Okay. All, all six of our children are here. So there's
2: eight of us.
3: That's what I just counted. Eight people. Wow. So eight people just up sold everything and huh. moved to Panama. Am I correct on that?
2: That is correct. Okay.
3: <laughs> Why would somebody do something like that? You couldn't do it unless the Lord told you to.
2: <laughs> you shouldn't do it unless the Lord
3: does. Well, talk about this calling that, that the Lord has got on you you and your husband and your family that would cause you all. What what happened that made you all up everything and just move to Panama?
0: Well, r- real, real quick, about several years ago, he told us to start... Uh, setting aside food and water as we started listening to uh, Benjamin and others to uh, prepare for a time when it would be needed, like a judgment. And uh, about two, three, about three years ago, um, the opportunity I heard through another business associate that they were going to set up a uh, manufacturing place in Panama, and it jumped in me, like Panama jumped in me. And we had already looked at, at possibly moving overseas many years ago, but didn't really hotly pursue it at the time. And so when that happened, we I told Rhonda and it just it seemed to have sprung out in her. And then we, we went from there and, and the Lord kind of started confirming and, and giving us more tidbits of information.
2: And it wasn't the prospect of, of working or or manufacturing here. It was right. just that when he said that word, just Panama, it jumped in us for some reason. In fact that that came to nothing. Um, the, that business associate person, but the Panama stuck with us. And then um, little by little, we started seeing things in the Bible. And I remember one time I was just out helping at a, uh, a um, where was I? A food at, bank. at a food bank. And, and this lady just randomly said, you know what? Your time here is almost finished. And then she walked away. Someone we didn't even know.
0: That, that was pretty amazing. It's like little things like that that we said, Lord this person said this now and we want to hear more of what you're saying And so he would give us places in scripture. Um, Rhonda has tabulated some of these things through um, so prayer with others uh, and in fact I'm jumping to the, the day we left to come down here my mother said she was saying, I was crying to the Lord I was saying, Lord where are you taking them they're leaving they're going to Panama. And she told me that the Lord said to her, to my mom, I've been preparing Bruce and Rhonda since the day they were formed. Their entire marriage life, I've been preparing them for this day to leave.
3: Wow, you know that must have been from the Lord, because any mother never wants their children to leave. And no, to have a change like that is 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 amazing. So you're in Panama now. You've got all your children. You sold everything. You left it all behind except for your family and what you could take down, the few things with you. Now you're in Panama, and you have a ministry that's starting up there. And, and I know at first you have kind of visions of things, but you came across from what you've shared with me and stumbled apro- uh, across this Large expat ministry of people who have left America and they have came down there, and you guys have found a ministry within inside that group. Am I correct on that?
2: Yeah, I, we found the, the ministry here, the, the the expat community here, the people who came here kind of weary, you know, kind of tired, kind of hurt, kind of um hobbling and we've been able and the lord's used us to minister Bruce right now is is in the process of one-on-one ministry which is which is just an amazing thing to to restore a broken and hurting body
0: yeah it's it's just people who are they've been here and they've been rejected and, and the lord has kind of kind of brought them around or brought us around him uh, to walk him through some recovery of some things that have happened in his life, and he too the Lord has spoken to to come down here, and they just feel so disheveled, they feel so out of place, and and kind of like I feel like the Lord has led us to to kind of go to some of these people and say the Lord's called you here, let's refocus on that. Yeah, he's not going to leave you.
3: That that's a a wonderful thing because I've seen the videos already of, of you all working with the natives, what shocked me and surprised me was uh, someone myself who is involved in missionary work, not in South America, but in uh, Africa, where I where I do my missions work primarily, is that, you know, you vi- envision all this, you know, native outreach, which is wonderful, but now you see that there's remnant believers down there that are struggling in their own faith, and, and you're able to come in and minister to this community, uh, was that something that was a surprise to you all
2: It was surprising to us but also the fact that they they have they have ministered to us in, in I mean even the the like you're saying when we when we when we minister to the Panamanian population how much they give back to us how much they 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 pray over us and how much they love us we we just feel like You know, when you fit, you fit. And when you're here, when the Lord tells you to be somewhere and you're there and you've done what he said, you can just feel it. It just clicks. And it's just, I mean, I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm just saying, you know, you're where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to do because the Lord shows up at everything you put your hands to.
3: And And when she says fit, she doesn't mean fit into the community. No, 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 no.
1: She means fit into God's plan, where exactly God needed us and wants us at this moment. Because it doesn't matter if we get along with these people. It doesn't matter if we
3: have relationships or whatever. I mean, relationships do matter, but that's not what the main point of that is. What matters is that we are where God wants us, yeah. and we know we are. Amen. What, what a powerful thing to know that you're in the will of God. There's nothing that feels better than knowing that. Uh, folks, what you're hearing, that's not just the parents. That's Now we're talking about the kids believing and supporting the same mission. That's a very rare thing to find this day and age. And part of um, the ministry down there, uh, from from what you all have shared and what we see, is that this is not just only a ministry to outreach the lost and to now reaching those in the remnant down there who need uh, basically a pastor's pastor someone to encourage them, now we see that you all are actually opening the door for other remnant who are being called down there. Is that, is that, am I correct on that? I'd say yes, because and that, yeah. that, that's the biggest part about this, is we are, how should I say, we're non-traditional. We, we buck the reins on a lot of traditions of man and what they think that we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to act. That's how we know that we're part of the remnant.
2: Well, and also that what you're call, what you're asking us is that that new thing that the Lord has been speaking to us—that we're like the Joseph type of ministry. We've gone ahead of the people. We're here. The Lord's been telling us there's going to be a wave, and, and it's just not just us. There's pockets all over, all over the world of people He's placed um, quietly to open the door for the remnant who. Um, build a city of refuge. Yeah, kind of a city of refuge, a place for the remnant who are going to be called out of America. They're going to have the same call we did. They're going to they're going to connect with what we're saying and say, yes, this is what I'm feeling. And then we can be a resource to say, to encourage, to give information. I mean, I, the call, like he's opened our eyes to that recently. Um, it's yeah. going to be a powerful thing. And
0: one, one of the most exciting things is, is for me is it's unofficial, I guess, what we're doing. So I, I don't, we don't have to, uh, we don't say, well, we're from this group or this group. We're we're from the Lord, and, and this is how we are. This is who we are, and and we are available as the Lord has opened doors and shut doors to help individual people, and and the doors He's opened, we we we've, we've just we've stepped in with, with excitement to help, as the Lord has, has guided us. And some of it's kind of challenging, yeah. Honestly, but but it's like it's it's this thing where we don't have to go around saying, ah, uh, yeah, hi, we're we're here to do this. We just we just walk in it. And, and for us, I guess it's kind of like, isn't that what kind of what we're all supposed to be doing? Yes.
3: Amen. Hey, listen, anybody who sells everything and follows what the Lord says to do, I say praise God for it. And folks, this is the key. This is what it's about. They're following what the Lord has asked them to do. And I'm bringing them onto the show because the truth is, is that you know the remnant call. We don't ask for any support, but I want to get behind people who are out on the front lines right now in ministry. Because you know what? The workman is worthy of their hire. And we want to help support the Johnson family because they are mobilizing Listen, there are a lot of people down there that are struggling. And the Johnsons can help mobilize, again, those people down there as a force for good and get their outreach and their ministries back on, besides all the other ministry that they're doing right at this moment. And so one of the things we're going to do is put up the link to their GoFundMe page, which is there and going to be there in the show link. But also, Rhonda, I know you have an email. If somebody wants to get in contact with you all, how can they email you?
2: Uh, we I'm at Rhonda C J six seven at gmail dot com.
3: Okay, ronda cj six seven at gmail dot com. And that's Rhonda H. Rhonda H, sorry. Say that one R-H. more time for me. R
2: H O N D A C J six seven at gmail dot com.
3: All right. Well, thank you all. We're going to get you back on because we want some updates on your ministry. Listen, I want to say God bless you all in everything that you're doing. Keep moving forward. I know it's taking courage, but courage you know, is what the Lord is looking for. Not all those who are equipped, but He's looking to equip those who have been called. And that is you all, and God bless you. Folks, this is Brother Frank here. Thank you for joining me, Johnson family, and we look forward to hearing back from you all soon. God bless. Amen. And so that was an interview I just had with the Johnson family. And like I said, folks, you know the remnant call. We don't ask for any money at all. I belong to a missionary organization. I don't even promote that on here. But if I can find somebody that we can get behind here, that I want to do that. And so I'm going to bring on, because we're going to get into this program tonight, Brother Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin, you're the one who first introduced me to the Johnson family, and I just want to say thank you. I've talked to them uh, a good bit on Skype. We've had some long conversations. This is an amazing family and a powerful ministry.
1: Oh, amen. Yeah, Bruce and Rhonda and and their extended family, Uh, they're the real deal, and they've been a great blessing to me. And They've actually come alongside and, and are helping me create a presence on social media, um, which I had never done. Bruce and Rhonda are sort of taking the charge in that. And uh, apparently I have a Facebook page. Uh, I'm on Twitter. <laughs> I'm still kind of getting up to speed on all of this. Uh, but in any event, under the Day of the Lord is at hand, so uh, we will begin um, using those vehicles for uh, communication, um, real-time communication with the remnant that is interested in listening as we race toward the soon-fulfillment of the Word of God spoken over the United States of America and the world. And, you know, the Lord begins with America because, well, as we all know, we're number one, right? Greatest country of all, certainly the most proud and um, we're moving quickly towards the the end of of what would be called greatness and America the Farewell Tour is our is our title for the program and it's really the title of a book that Chris Hedges uh, recently uh, published and it's a brilliant work but um, thank you for for uh, giving a few minutes to the Johnsons. I wholeheartedly bless and support their Ministry, and I would encourage our listeners put them on your prayer list, you know, and 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 pray and seek the Lord. And whether you're called to be a part of uh, providing regular financial support to the ministry that God has called them to engage in in Panama, and and uh, Mm -hmm. you know, by all means, drop them a, a an email note as well to encourage them and let them know that you've picked up the mantle of covering them in prayer and if uh, God puts it on your heart that you're also going to be standing with them with uh, regular financial support. And, uh, Frank, I'm sort of like you. Over the years, a number of people have, have offered to make uh, contributions to my ministry of author. They've even offered to tithe to me. Um, people even offered me huge amounts of money. I mean, you know, one man was ready to hand me $70,000 to try to help promote the message that the Lord gave me, and and I have not accepted any support um, from anyone, really. And um, I've told people, I neither desire nor need your money, um, give it to the poor, or, or, you know, invest it in missions, or, you know, give it where it is needed, um, I'm capable of being on this program at very low cost, and so I don't need your financial support to be here with you tonight. But uh, Bruce and Rhonda Johnson and the Johnson family, they do need your financial support. So I would ask you, you know, from my heart uh, to, you know, consider uh, showing them the kindness and the blessing of standing with them as they truly are opening the door for uh, the remnant that will be coming out of America. Now not everybody uh who is awake in these last days realizes that America is the mystery Babylon of uh the end time prophecies and not everybody who understands that we we the Americans, you know, if I could, you know, group myself uh, among the Americans, I normally don't really think of myself as an American. I sort of think more like a foreigner, but I was born here, and I am a citizen. And so I guess that would make me sort of an American at the moment. Uh, Us Americans, you know, most of us don't realize uh, our days are numbered here in this country. And if you're part of the remnant that survives the the great war that is going to take place, uh, which, you know, historians will call it World War III, I prefer to use the name the Battle of Ezekiel 38, but uh, it's, regardless of what label you put on it, it'll be the time for the riding of the red horse, and it will be followed by the riding of the black horse, and then it will literally usher in the days of darkness in which the one-world government of the Antichrist will quickly rise to power, and the survivors of the Great War who are you know, will have survived it here inside the United States. The scripture is very clear in Jeremiah 15:51 that we are all leaving matter of fact, the remnant around the world will be leaving all of the nations, which will quickly be coming under the power and the control of the Antichrist. And, and uh, for those of you who believe in a pre-trib rapture, you know, if, you all, if it turns out that you're not here, then you don't need to worry about it. But for those of us that are going to walk through this thing until the last trumpet at the end of the tribulation period... Uh, we will all be leaving, and people like the Johnsons are really kind of opening up, if you will, the door to the way stations in Central America and South America, which the remnant will travel through. So, you guys, you know, be uh, be, be in prayer for them and, and pray about your part as well, and blessing this dear family in the Lord. And, and praise God. Let's talk briefly about Chris Hedge's new book. Um Benjamin, some of you guys I may forgot. know about Chris Hedge's I've, I've certainly mentioned him in the past. Um, Chris is a brilliant brilliant writer. I would encourage you uh go on YouTube, type in his name Chris. That's with a C H R I S and then Hedge's H E D G E S. Um, you can check out some of his speeches. He's got some great uh YouTube material. He's published a number of excellent books. This is a New York Times syndicated journalist, no longer affiliated with the Times. He was their head Middle East correspondent, and he's the author of a number of books. One of my favorites is The Empire of Illusion, and it's all about the culture of the United States and how deception and illusion has become really a central part of the American way of life. Uh, it's a powerful book. Um, it has a series of chapters, one of which is called uh, Debt as the Illusion of Prosperity. and Clearly, our nation is living that illusion right now. Another chapter is entitled Pornography, the Illusion of Love. And, and that chapter is uh, so intense that I, I caution the women readers, you know, maybe you don't want to read this chapter. It's too heartbreaking. Um if you do attempt to read this book and you do get to the chapter on pornography uh if you find yourself um, being injured psychologically by by the brutally honest um look inside this horrific satanic industry um, but, you know by all means don't finish the chapter uh and for any man out there who's struggling with pornography if you know satan has um, tricked you into uh Falling into that little snare, and you've got a stronghold in your life uh, where pornography's got some kind of a, a you know pull on you. Then, by all means, get Chris Hedge's book, Empire of Illusion. Read the entire chapter on pornography, and um, you you will probably be delivered. You you will be set free from pornography. You will never look at it again, because he unveils it for what it is. And in his latest book, America the Farewell Tour. Um, Chris really does a, a masterful job of, of bringing into life the, the culture, the texture, the feelings of uh, an America that is crumbling in decay, an America that has lost its way, an American middle class that are literally drowning into um, a perpetual cycle of poverty as you know, the politics and the economic agenda of the corporate state have have stripped the nation bare of uh, three million manufacturing um, facilities and and tens of millions of good paying manufacturing jobs and and you know this the manufacturing that was decimated in our country as a result of Bill Clinton's signing of the NAFTA agreement and you may remember at the time he he made promises that you know NAFTA will produce. Good jobs, you know, a large number of good American jobs. Of course, that was a total lie. Uh, NAFTA destroyed tens of millions of, of middle-class jobs, and, and those jobs have been replaced with near-minimum wage uh, jobs in, in the service sectors. And, and in the, the growing industry of casinos in America, and, uh, you know, Hedges um, explains so brilliantly how as we have hollowed out our manufacturing um, and sector of our economy and have replaced it with, with a casino economy and a drug economy. Uh, there's a major chapter in the new book on heroin and the devastation that's occurred through the opioid epidemic, in, which in great part has been due to uh, misuse of prescription painkillers and false advertising on the part of the pharmaceutical giants that these opioids were not addictive and a generation of people are being destroyed every six minutes uh, someone is dying of a heroin overdose in the United States uh, in the time that we've been on the, this program and you've been listening to the show tonight um, five or six people have have died and gone to hell courtesy of the opioid addiction you know and perhaps one of them was a, a believer who got snared and, and lost their life but you you get my point and you know we wanted to talk a little bit about the timing of what's going on and Frank actually called me uh, a couple hours before the program tonight and he said, Hey, Benjamin, can you come on the show? And we're going to do a brief spot with the Johnson family. And then, would you mind bringing a current message? And by the way, do you have a title? And normally I'm pretty good about um, coming up with a a quick title to summarize whatever current message was on my heart. But I drew a blank and sitting on my desk was the latest book by, by Chris Hedges, America, the Farewell Tour. And so here we are. And and I, I want to do justice to Chris's book, and, um, you know, it's, it's a powerful work. You know, at the same time, there, there may be some of, you know, Chris Hedges is a believer, no doubt. He, he went to seminary. His father was a, a Presbyterian pastor. Um, he considers himself a liberal Christian. He might be a little bit on the, on, on the other side of a few issues. Um, in terms of where uh, i or you know somebody who's maybe more christian conservative would come down at the same time his criticisms of the the liberal left uh, and and he doesn't hold any punches and as as we'll see as i get into a couple of quotes from the book he doesn't pull punches in dealing and being truthful in his assessment of the left and the Democratic Party, which have betrayed the American working class, and he doesn't pull punches in dealing with the neocons on the right and the extreme uh, ultra-right wing that, that, you know, left to their own devices, uh, Chris's fears are that they may usher in, they, you know, the fascist totalitarian regime that is coming. Uh, you know, it's my own opinion that the Lord's going to interdict the whole process by... Uh, unleashing the judgment of Ezekiel 38, and then uh, that's going to short-circuit everybody's plans, and it's going to put us firmly on God's timetable. Uh, but in any event, even in areas where, I guess the point I'm trying to make, you guys, in, in topics where I'm, my first reaction might be to disagree with, with Mr. Hedges, um, particularly you know, some of his criticisms of the Christian right, you know, as I stand back and I rethink for a moment And I try to put myself in his shoes and I realize, you know, this man is absolutely brilliant and his perspective, you know, has got relevance to it. Even in areas where my initial reaction might be to have disagreed with with Chris, I, I find myself having listened critically to his comments and realizing, you know what, there's an element of truth in all that he's saying. I would describe Chris Hedges as a secular prophet of this last generation here in America. and it will, I want to just share a couple excerpts from his book, America, the Farewell Poor. And here is a direct quote. America is in the final stage of the emergence of corporate totalitarianism. The pillage of the middle class and the oppression of the people are now justified by the era of a permanent lie. The permanent lie is different from the falsehood and the half-truths uttered by prior politicians, such as Bill Clinton or George Bush or Barack Obama. The political lie of these politicians was not designed to cancel or contradict reality. When Bill Clinton signed the NAFTA treaty, he promised that NAFTA meant jobs, American jobs, and good-paying American jobs. George Bush justified the invasion of Iraq, allegedly because Saddam possessed weapons of mass destruction. But Bill Clinton did not continue to pretend that NAFTA would benefit the American working class or create American jobs when reality proved otherwise. Nor did George Bush continue to pretend that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction once none were found. The permanent lie, however, is not circumcised or corrected by reality. It is perpetual, even in the face of overwhelming evidence that discredits it. It remains, for it is irrational, those who speak in the language of truth or who quote facts, the, perfect, the permanent lie, attacks them as liars, traitors, or the purveyors of fake news. The refusal of those who engage in the permanent lie to even acknowledge reality, no matter how transparent it becomes, creates a collective psychosis. And that seems to be the uh, apt description of the culture and psychology of our country today. It is undergoing a collective psychosis. The country's going crazy, in other words. And it's the result of the permanent lie. It no longer matters what the truth is. It only matters what is politically correct. I think we've seen some of that in the theatrics of the court hearings in the last day or two, where you know, anyone accused of anything is suddenly guilty in the court of public opinion without regard to such you know, uh, trivialities as evidence or confirming witnesses. You guys know what I'm talking about. Back to Hedges' quotes. America has been experiencing a creeping corporate coup d'etat. That's insightful. Which today is now complete. This coup destroyed our two-party political system. It destroyed our labor unions and our public education system. It destroyed the judiciary and the free press. It destroyed academia and the consumer and environmental protections. It destroyed our industrial base, and in so doing it destroyed our communities and many of our cities. It has also destroyed the lives of tens of millions of Americans who are no longer able to find work that provides a living wage, cursed to now live in chronic poverty, or locked up in cages in our monstrous prison system of mass incarceration. The coup also destroyed the credibility of liberal democracy itself, including so-called self-identified liberals such as Bill and Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama. They mouthed the words of liberal democratic values while making war on those same values in service to the corporate powers. The revolts we're now seeing sweeping across our country our revolts not only against the corporate system that has betrayed the people of America, but has also betrayed liberal democracy itself. Hedges calls America a failed democratic state. Our democracy has literally failed, and it's been captured, and it's now under the Dominance, the dominion of the globalist corporate forces. And, of course, we, from an eschatological perspective, we understand that behind the global corporations is the, the shadow government, which is controlled by the dark ones, which are in the hands of the evil one himself. Hedges doesn't quite make the satanic connection, but he clearly sees the dominance of the global corporate power structure and how it has basically ruined liberal democracy. This is very dangerous, he says, and it will allow the radical right to cement in place an American form of fascism. And, you know, that is truly the threat that, that is ahead of us. It turns out that those who truly hate us, Hedges writes, for our freedoms, are not the enemies that were created by our war machine. The vietnamese or the afghans or the taliban the ones who truly hate us are the elite financiers the bankers and politicians the lawyers and the journalists and the business people who were cultivated within the elite universities and who sold us out with a utopian dream of corporate capitalist profits and globalization benefits wealth today in america is no longer created by production or manufacturing of products. Our wealth is now created by the manipulation of currencies, stocks, and commodities while imposing a crippling debt burden on the general public. Our casino form of capitalism has merged with the gambling industry. Our entire system is now parasitic, it is designed to prey on the desperate, the young men and women burdened by student loans underpaid workers burdened by credit card and mortgage debt the towns and the cities forced to borrow and to maintain municipal services the casino magnets and the hedge fund managers add nothing to the value of our society they do not generate any real wealth they merely redistribute the productivity of the country into the hands of the top one percent and when a tiny cabal seizes power it creates a mafia-based economy and ultimately a mafia-style police state. The social, cultural, and moral norms of a normal society become inverted in a diseased society. The attributes of truth, honesty, trust, and sacrifice, they become detrimental to existence in a diseased society. Idiots take control in the final days of a crumbling empire idiot generals who wage endless wars, which can never be won, while idiot economists call for reducing taxes on corporations and at the same time cutting social programs for the benefit of the poor. Idiots project economic growth on the basis of myth, while idiot bankers gamble on self-created financial bubbles, and idiot professors and other so-called experts busy themselves creating useless jargon and arcane theories to support the argument for their ruined policies. This is a familiar checklist for the extinction of an empire, and we are kicking off, we are kicking off every item. That was a a little bit of a taste of Chris Hedges, America the Farewell Tour. And, you know, I find it fascinating that it's not just the prophecy group. You know, it's not just us, you know, Bible-believing, spiritual Christians who who recognize that the country is literally on the edge of destruction. But social critics, you know, from the other side of the aisle, um, are also basically coming to the same conclusion. And, you know, for those of you guys who like reading, I think you might enjoy the book, um, you know, or certainly I think you would find Empire of Illusion fascinating as well. And, and it's just, It's stunning how close we are to these things coming to pass. And uh, Frank, what's what's your reaction to Hedges? What do you think?
3: Well, I mean, obviously he is uh, very liberal in some points, but the truth and the reality is is that some of his maybe theology, which intertwines his politics, I might not agree with, but the state that he brings up that we uh, forget so often about is that folks, it doesn't matter how good the economy is currently going. Trust me. I run an IT company. I'm enjoying more sales right now. But the truth is, the financial debt is so monstrous right now in our country that we are on the verge of collapse, and we continue to print money at an unstoppable rate, and we do just the most ridiculous. So I I like some of the things that have helped us out uh, financially with Trump, but our debt continues to grow more and more and more. What Chris Hedges brings out is, folks, you have to d- put aside the things you don't agree with and look at the truth of the reality. We are destroying our country through financial, pornographic, social, all kinds of programs out there. We are ruining this country, and this guy is being brutally honest in a lot of these things. You've got to take a look at it. It is a game changer if we will get our heads around it. The system is completely broken. And you can't build debt but for so long before this thing collapses, Benjamin. That's the way I see it. And he's got some real truths in this book.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's a tale of two cities right now, Frank, because we are continuing to uh, print money. You know, we're borrowing our way to prosperity. Imagine doing that, you know, just with your family. Take all your credit cards and just go out and just – You know, paint the town. You know, you're going to stimulate the economy. Things are great. But, you know, at the end of the run, uh, you end up half a million dollars, a million dollars in debt. Your minimum payments are $75,000 a year. How do you like me now? Well, a time of, of poverty will come upon you. The same is true of a nation state. It just takes a little bit longer to go broke. But, you know, the other thing that Hedges points out so brilliantly he takes us into these industrial towns like Dayton, Ohio, or, or Scranton, Pennsylvania, which at one time were the mecca
3: of American
1: commerce, and he lets you experience as, as if you're walking the streets with him. He takes you into the ruined factories. You, you literally get, he says, the wreckage of industrial America lay before me and he walks you through these factories where they literally they shut the factory down in the middle of a production run on an afternoon in 2001 and the equipment is still there with half assembled uh, articles and now the roof's caving in and and he takes you into what it's like to be uh an american middle class family where Previously, there was a job at a major manufacturing facility, one of the three million manufacturing facilities that were exported out of the country. You know, what happens to an American family when, when your parents were working at a GM plant and they, they were making $35, $40 an hour plus medical benefits plus retirement benefits? They could afford to buy a house. They could put their kids through college. Those jobs are gone. They've been replaced with jobs at fifteen dollars an hour sixteen eighteen dollars an hour. You cannot support a family at fifteen dollars an hour. you know these are poverty level wages and and the despair that that crushes these families and there are there are 100 million Americans that are one paycheck from bankruptcy, one paycheck from homelessness, one paycheck from abject poverty. And, yeah, Frank, you're right. There's a a sector of the economy, you know, the Silicon Valley high-tech companies, they're making billions, even trillions of dollars in the aggregate. But Google and Microsoft and the rest of these high-tech companies, they don't employ 500,000 workers across... 5,000 production plants. They have a fraction of that number of employees on their staff, and the people at the very top are becoming worth billions and billions of dollars, while there are tens and 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 perhaps even a hundred million Americans sinking into poverty. And so, you know, the nation is gradually it's crumbling, it's it's decomposing, it's decaying within. And at the same time, the economic recovery that's been sold to you for the last 10 years, it's completely manufactured. It was manufactured by all the debt. In 2008, when we went into the financial crash because of the collapse of the, the manufactured housing bubble, uh, it was designed to, to collapse. And, and when it collapsed on cue in 2008, the Economy was papered over with ten trillion dollars of new debt. The national debt that was approximately ten trillion ten years ago. It's over twenty trillion today. And Frank, you're absolutely right. Even with Donald Trump in office, and you know, there's positive. There are positive elements of his election. No question. We all agree with a lot of what he's said. Um, but in terms of what's actually been done, there's been far less accomplished. He's clearly being opposed by, by a deep, dark state, but yet the, de- the debt continues to grow. And, you know, the day of reckoning is coming. You know, in terms of the day of reckoning, I I just would like to leave everybody with a little um, homework assignment, you know, uh, since we were all supposed to learn to be Bereans and... Um, you know, maybe a lot of us haven't really spent a whole lot of time at the Berean Academy. Um, you know, it's going to become incumbent upon all of us to, to, you know, get the Word of God in us and and literally, you know, hide it in our hearts because, you know, before the test that's coming upon America and the test that's coming upon the Church and the test that's going to come upon you And me, before this test is over, uh, it might not always be an open book test. What I mean by that is they might take your Bible from you before you finish the test. Yeah, think about it. And, you know, if that were to occur, you're going to really want to have some of the right answers planted deep within your heart. So I'm going to give you a section of Scripture to study. I'd like you to co- look closely at Jeremiah chapter 29, and, and I'd like you to read carefully verses 10 through 14. I'm going to go over them with you briefly, but I'd, I would ask you guys, you know, on your own time, go back and study and see if these things be so that I'm going to share with you now. Jeremiah 29, verse 10, For thus saith the Lord, after the 70 years be accomplished in Babylon... I will visit you and I will perform a good word towards you and causing you I'm going to cause you to return to this place that was the place of the origin of the nation it's called the land of greater Israel for I know the thoughts that I think towards you saith the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end then you shall call upon me and you shall go and you'll pray unto me and I will hearken I will listen to you And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Of course, after the Great War, of Ezekiel 38, everyone who's a survivor here in America will begin to seek the Lord with all of their heart. And people won't be praying about, you know, is it time to leave America or not? Well, I got news for you. Go read Jeremiah 50. They will go weeping and asking the way to Jerusalem. Because the nation will be no more, and the survivors will all be thinking of going and visiting the Johnson family, and and others who, like them, have gone on ahead of the the majority of the remnant to open a door, to make a place for for the remnant to stop and 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 to rest on their long journey, because we're all going back to the place prepared in the wilderness. And now I know a lot of people don't understand these things, you know, Bible prophecy is still pretty much sealed up for the most part, even though there are voices out there who are preaching an unsealed version. Uh, Most of the people either are not listening or they haven't heard the unsealed things from the scriptures. But let me continue with Jeremiah 29 and verse 14, and I'll be found of you, says the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity... And then he says, and I will gather you from all of the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord. And I'll bring you again into the place. Who's going to bring you there? The Lord is going to bring you again into the place from whence I caused you to be taken captive. And that's the return of the remnant to the land of, of greater Israel, to the wilderness that in the land that is actually part of greater Israel. And I just want you to note one thing, okay? In verse 14, the Lord says, I will gather you from all the nations. Now, at the time of Jeremiah's prophecy to Israel, immediately before and then during the early part of the conquest by ancient Babylon, under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar, a Chaldean king, Israel was taken into captivity to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, fine. And after seventy years, we know from the text in Jeremiah twenty-five, verse twelve, the Lord said, "After seventy years, I'm going to judge the king of Babylon." Turned out that that was his son Belshazzar, who was judged. Well, judge the then king of Babylon and that nation. Which nation? Ancient Babylon. And for their sins against me, saith the Lord, and then also the land of the Chaldeans, which you know you guys have heard my prior message, you know I 've taught that that reference is a segue to the second fulfillment at the end of the age. Well, here we are in jeremiah twenty nine fourteen the Lord is again talking about a judgment on end time Babylon after 70 years are completed. Now, why do I know that it's end time, Babylon? Because in verse 14, the Lord is saying, and I will gather Israel and and actually all of his people who've been gathered in, who've been adopted, including the Gentiles, who have found salvation through the Messiah, Jesus, who is the King of Israel, I would note for your benefit. He was going to gather all of his people from all the nations. Now, you guys, 2,500 years ago, in the first fulfillment of the prophecies of the 70-year reign of Babylon, all of the people were in all of which nations? Oh, wait. Okay, a a small remnant took off to Egypt. They got judged. Okay, they didn't even come back, you guys. They were all basically judged in Egypt. The majority of people all went into captivity in one nation. They went to Babylon. Now, at the end of the age, Israel has been dispersed, in what's called the Diaspora, and they've been scattered over all of the earth. Go to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 66, talking about the last day's deliverance, the second exodus, Isaiah 66, and, and the Lord says and I, that he's sending his messengers, and they will come, and they will gather together all of your people, all of the people, from all of the nations. I'll read you the exact verse. Okay, I'm in Isaiah 66. And the Lord says, I'll send a sign among them. That's the ensign. Those are the anointed ones who will come with the, literally, the word of God alive in them. Okay? And he says, and they will come to the nations. And the Lord lists a whole series of nations. And to the isles that are far off, where they've neither heard of my fame, nor have seen my glory, and the ensign, this is 144,000, when you see them, you won't have any problem picking them out, because you're going to see the glory of God on their foreheads, these guys are literally going to be glowing, and look at verse 20, Isaiah sixty six twenty and they will bring all of your brethren for an offering unto the Lord out of all of the nations, and how, how are we going to go, Benjamin, upon horses, and chariots, and litters, and mules, upon swift beasts? "...upon every available means of transportation, and they will bring all of your brethren out of all of the nations to my holy mountain, Jerusalem, as the children of Israel bring an offering in a clean vessel unto the house of the Lord." And so, this is at the end of the age, there's going to be a regathering, it's called the second exodus, and it comes after the great war described in Jeremiah 15:51, and that's the battle of Ezekiel 38, and it takes place after America has ruled the earth for 70 years. And so, when will that occur? Well, depends on when you start counting, and it appears, as we've discussed, America's rule was... Um, created, the structures for America's political, economic, and military dominance of the world were put in place 47 to 48, and America was crowned the de facto leader of the Western world at the signing of the NATO treaty in April 1949. So how do we begin counting, assuming 1949 is even the proper year? Let's assume it is. Do we use the sacred calendar, the biblical calendar, the calendar that starts in the month of Nisan in the spring, or should we use the civil calendar, which begins in Rosh Hashanah, the seventh month in the fall? You know, Israel is the only country that has two calendars, because you know, just one more witness that all the things God does get fulfilled twice. We even have two calendars from which we measure everything. But if we assume we're going to measure the fulfillment of this prophecy using the sacred calendar, then the 70 years would be completed in in the spring of 2019. And the judgment of America would follow in the fall. We know from the text the judgment's in the fall. And if we want to use the civil calendar, um, then if we would start in the fall of 2019 and mark 70 complete civil years using Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah, then we would have the 70 years completed in the fall of 2019, and and then if the judgment were to occur after 70 years are complete, but before the end of 71 years, that would leave open, I guess, the interpretation that the Great War could come as late as the early fall of 2020. Now, in the last couple of days, Russia, China, and, and the Communist powers have had the largest military exercise in the modern era, and I got note today that uh, the Russians did a test firing of a series of hypersonic anti-ship missiles, and they, they basically sunk a fleet of warships in a training exercise. You, you can go find it on sun.co.uk. Vladimir Putin tests terrifying new anti-ship missiles by blowing up a fleet of warships in a training exercise. The Russians sank an entire fleet simultaneously. You know, if you're interested, there's another book called Losing Military Supremacy, which talks about our vulnerability. But, you know, you can just go read Jeremiah 1551 to get the full take on that and the fact that our borders are wide open. We've left the door open. The enemies have come in like caterpillars. We're defenseless against these weapons. And, you know, in modern hypersonic warfare, with missiles traveling at six, seven, eight thousand 8,000 miles an hour, you know, in terms of close distances, you guys, we're talking about a couple of seconds. A naval platform with a hypersonic missile. These missiles are coming in, and um, before they're even identified, they've hit their target. And we know from Jeremiah 50 that none of these arrows will be fired in vain. They will all work perfectly because it, this is the vengeance of the lord the lord's had it with the hypocrisy and with the permanent lies and with the massacre of the children and with the the trafficking of children for for uh, sexual abuse and and with the destruction of the environment and with every other evil thing and and with the elites you know in pardon me, in revelation 17 it talks about mystery babylon being drunk on the blood of the innocent, and literally they are drinking the blood for the euphoric high that comes from the adrenalized blood of the children that they've tortured, raped, and killed. And should not the Holy One stand up and put an end to these things, I say, come quickly, Lord. Let your righteousness be vindicated. Let your word be vindicated in the earth. You know, the Lord was... And bearing witness in in my spirit today, he said, your vindication is of me. I will vindicate my servants, saith the Lord. The Lord God Almighty is going to vindicate the ones he sent. You know, the Lord warned us many would come in my name to deceive many. And, you know, we're in that time. Guys, there's a lot of voices out there. You know, many of them are satanic. You know, many deceivers have come. In the time of the end, you know, it's been like a, I don't know, there's been a deluge of, of deceivers. You know, there's one false prophet running around right now saying, you know, the country's going to be put under martial law and then and then all the evil is going to be taken away. And when you come out of martial law, you know, everything will be fine. You know, oh, I wish that were true. Oh, how I wish that were true. Mm-hmm. That's not what the Word of God says. That's the Word of a man. The Word of the Lord says that, uh, You know, this is coming at the appointing time, and there's no change in this appointment. And the scripture also says, in Jeremiah 50, verse 44, Who will appoint me the time? Who will declare the timing for the judgment of America Babylon? And who will issue? The word for appoint um, could also be interpreted as, it's the word ya'ad in the Hebrew, and it also means to give or to, to deliver the legal summons to America, demanding that the nation appear before the courtroom of heaven for her trial by fire. And so, you know, that, that's an interesting question. This is the only prophecy, Jeremiah fifteen fifty one, is the only prophecy in Scripture that I'm aware of where the text implies someone would discern the exact timing of the judgment that was prophesied beforehand. There's no other prophecies in the Bible where the Lord asks the question, who is going to declare the time for the judgment of the daughter of Babylon at the end of the age? Well, you know, it's really not that hard. All you got to do is read the book. I mean, it's not like hidden in plain view, you guys. You know, after 70 years of reign, Babylon will appear before the courtroom of heaven, and she will be found wanting, and she will be judged in one hour. And... You know, and in the end-time version, the Lord is then going to gather together all of his people out of all of the nations. Not out of ancient Babylon, this time out of all the nations at the end of the age. And so, you know, it's not really that hard to figure out, you guys. But yet, um, apparently not too many people can see this, even when, you know, we just sort of explain it very simply for them. Um, for some reason, it doesn't register, it doesn't compute. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I can explain it to you. I cannot understand it for you. But I can tell you this. If you're not fasting and praying, you're not ready for what's going to take place in America. And it is indeed going to come down around all of us. And the next, I mean, what are we looking at here? Twelve months? 24 maybe, at the outside. I mean, really, probably much sooner than that, my friends. In any event, time's been a-flying, at least from my perspective. You know, here we are. We're about to enter the month of October, the ember months. September, October, November, December, they're all full of the embers, of the fires that will be burning And they they presage the winter that is coming and the time when no man can work. But the Lord, he will be busy because he will begin to fulfill the second half of his three-and-a-half-year ministry. And You know, it is true that the high holy days were, were delayed, that in the spirit we had a leap here. And, you know, if you want the actual days, um, according to the Spirit, um, I'll tell you right now. Um, yeah, the uh, night of October 10th and the day of October 11th would be Rosh Hashanah, and the days of Awe begin. And uh, that would put um, the night of uh, the 19 and 24 for Yom Kippur... You know, I got a lot of hate mail for having revealed that little mystery, and you know, people say, "You know, where well, you get these hunches, Benjamin?" Well, listen, friends, I don't, I don't speak and teach from hunches, okay? You know, this is an hour where we are to declare the word of God. We're not, we're not supposed to be sharing our own opinion. You know, there's plenty of people doing that, and you know, if that's what you know, if that's all you think I'm doing, you should probably just turn, me, turn off the program and don't come back. But in any event, wisdom is justified. She's vindicated by her children. And what that means is when it actually happens, then you'll know that you heard that was true. And so, you know, here we are. Those of you guys that are on the prayer list, thank you for praying. As you know, no doubt you all are quite aware the enemy certainly knows the time is short, and the intensity of the warfare is reaching epic levels. God bless you guys. Thanks for thanks for listening. Um, thank you for blessing the Johnson family. Uh, drop them a note. Keep them in your prayers. Pray about helping them financially, and uh, and thank you for praying for me and for Brother Frank. And, and Frank, any uh, any final. Comments, well,
3: I just want to say to anybody, you know, about, we did a program a while back on the second Exodus, um, something that I have been studying, you know, into for years, and uh have just uh, totally, you know, I, I, when you understand the scripture, and, and you talked about in Isaiah, uh, but folks, even, even another witness, you know, any anytime a scholar will tell you, when the Bible repeats something, when the Lord repeats something two times, you know word for word, that means he wants you to listen jeremiah sixteen fourteen and jeremiah twenty three five is proof positive of the second exodus. The Lord repeated it twice in the book of Jeremiah about a deliverance that is so incredible that the deliverance in Egypt will no longer be talked about anymore. And I had a scholar one time say, well, he thought that happened when they came back from Babylon. If that was true, then when Timothy was brought before the council there uh, at his, uh, excuse me, at the stoning, uh, not Timothy, excuse me, the stoning of Stephen, and he gave them an absolute Bible lesson, he would have spoken of the second Exodus and not of the first. It had never been fulfilled. It is coming very soon. And so, folks, please check this out, the 2nd Exodus. It is for real. Look it up. It's in the Bible. Don't take anybody's here's word for it. Actually, go study it, and it is there. And so, Brother Benjamin, thank you for sharing that and breaking it down very simply tonight for everybody to uh, to do that. And thank you, because Rhonda would probably shoot me if you had not mentioned about your social media links. She reminded me to tell you to please do that. <laughs>
1: Uh, I know, folks, I keep so, forgetting.
3: I know, <laughs> I know. Thank you for that. And, folks, like I said, we want to help support uh, people. We don't ask for money here. I don't ask for any money I, uh, here on the Remnant Call. Now, I have a few people, friends, and people have, that help this show out um, that are close, and a few other people, But and I'm thankful for that. But we don't ask for anything. But what we do ask for is that you can find. And if this is not the group that the Lord's bearing witness, then fine. But if the Lord is bearing witness, get behind people that have said, I'm going to risk everything for the Lord. That's where we live in because all this knowledge without action is simply knowledge. And you don't want just knowledge with no action, you want action. That's why Benjamin said, fasting, praying seeking the lord, getting in your prayer closet. That's what makes the difference. Only listening to this program, you'll simply be filled up with more knowledge if you do nothing, then you know what? People will die and go to hell with simply knowledge. And that doesn't do hey, anybody Frank?
1: anything. Yes. Frank,
3: please can please I go.
1: share? Can I am sorry to interrupt. You. Sure, can a can I share a thought? Hey, this right, is really kind of cool. You know, if you go to like Jeremiah 50, you know, it talks about all the people, you know, after the After the Great War, you know, the remnant will be coming out, and it's going to be this massive migration. That is the second exodus, right? And it says, you know, in those days, this is Jeremiah 50, verse 4, and in that time, what time? At the end of the war, the uh, the children of Israel will come. They and the children of Judah together, and they will be weeping and seeking the Lord, and they will ask for the way to Zion. You know, and it's going to be the, the second exodus. But, Frank, the farewell tour is the second exodus. It'll be the tour where, we, where we're literally leaving the country and we're saying goodbye. We're saying farewell to America and we won't ever come back this way again. And that will follow the Great War. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know why this isn't so obvious, you know, to everybody because this is the clear uh, articulation of the scriptures now. You know, I guess people could come to another opinion, but they're kidding themselves if they don't see the second exodus, because it's real, and it's coming soon to a country near you.
3: It is, folks. You are, he, Benjamin is right on that. Listen, look up the sheep full, pens of Basra. Look up how the Lord was so angry with Moab, and then out of nowhere he says, Moab, hide my people. And the, like, It doesn't make any sense. He's angry. He wants to judge them. Then he says, hide my people. Be a shelter for them. Folks, it's all in the Scripture, what's coming. Yes, we are going to say goodbye. America, thank God, used America to take the gospel all over the world, but it's coming to an end. We are looking for a city whose builder and maker is God, and I'm telling you, folks, this is not it. There is a new Jerusalem coming down, but on the time for now between then, we're going to have some traveling that we'll be going. And listen, the Lord has got your plans already booked, okay? It's just time for you to get into his, uh, his will and do what he wants you to do, and then let him take care of the logistics. He's very good at that. And, and and if you're if you're feeling that your path over to there is down through Panama and the Lord's calling you, listen. You heard Rhonda's email. Give him a call. Pray about it. But listen, one last thing I will say: if the Lord's not calling you, don't go yet. Wait till you have been told. But you got to fast and you need to pray and believe and then wait upon the voice of the Lord. Amen. Brother Benjamin, God bless you. Thank you so much. Folks, this is Brother Benjamin and Brother Frank at the Remnant Call tonight saying to everyone, good night and shalom. Come am